Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. If you love Jesus, say I do. Can I get a little boomer? Man, did they not do a phenomenal job this past weekend? Come on now. I was a little weak for the Sooners, okay. Now listen, I, I have a very, a very serious question. How hot was it on Saturday? Right? Now, now listen, I, we live kind of close to campus, and I heard like 1,200 ambulances go like by my house, and I'm like, everybody's passing out up in here, right? And I was sitting there in my nice 68 like, degrees room on my, on my couch watching my big screen. I saw every play great, right? But then I started seeing some posts that were kind of concerning, and I just, I was like, man, it's, it's super hot out there. It's, I mean, how many people got booty sweat? You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, I was like, listen, like this is a serious problem because I'm like, man, if this guy gets his one chance, like he runs into this girl, like getting, you know, a Coke at the concession stand, like they hit it off. Right? They're like, oh man, like, oh, where are you from? Texas or Tulsa? That's OU, <laughs> right? And she's like, well, I'm from Tulsa, right? And so, like, they're like, well, she's like, well, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? And he's like, yeah, I do. Like, it just like connects, right? And it's great. But then you remember, like, I got a boat anchor on my, on my backside right now, right? Like, what do you do in that circumstance? Like, you're like, well, let me have your number. She gives you her number, and it's like, <laughs> All right, so you, like you just do you like walk backwards the whole way, or do you just own it? Be like, hey, you know what? If you're gonna light me, you light me for me, right? Like, you see the boat anchor back there, my booty sweat. All right, it's all right. Twenty years later, you can tell your kids, well, how? Why, mom and dad, why do you got those boat anchor tattoos? Well, let me tell you a story. <laughs> but listen, I am I am so excited for tonight. Uh, at, before we get started. I want to share something with you. Last week was an amazing week because we had 10 people give their life to Christ. Come on. That's awesome. Like, that's why we do what we do. That's why we do this ministry is because they crossed over last week. They crossed over from death into life, from old into new. They crossed over and Jesus ripped them out from the depths of hell and he brought them into an eternity with him. Like, that's what we do. Listen, for those of you who have either uh, trusted Christ last semester, maybe this semester, um, we started something new this week because we're over here in our uh, contact table. Uh, we're going to have connect cards, and it's like you can sign your name and say, man, I trusted Jesus, or I want to talk to somebody about Jesus, um, because we want to know that. And we want to take the next steps with you, and we'd be able to walk with this journey with you, get to know you. I would personally like to get to know you um, and be able to hear your story and what Jesus is doing in your life. So please, don't hesitate to go get connected. We'd love to try to maybe find you a church to be a part of. Like, we just want to do this life with you. Um, But as we get started today... Uh, we are taking, we are starting uh, our second week of First Peter, and we're going to take what Peter took from last week and be able to um, just go into what he has to say this reason. He says, for this reason alone is the reason why he has written his letters. He wanted to give us living hope last week. 
We have living hope because Christ came and died for us and and died for our sins on that cross and rose on the third day so we can have life and have it more eternal. And then he says, but we might face trials and trials might come and they might be hard, but we realize that they're not made to hurt us, but they're helped to mold us into the image of God our Father. But then he guess what? I love how Peter writes. He has a step too. He has, a, he has a what's next. And Peter here is going to explain to us about some fundamentals about our calling. And our calling on this life is for us to be holy. Tonight is going to be First Peter, and it's, our calling is to be holy. Now I'm going to go verse by verse like I did last week. And I want us to be able to see what's going on in Peter's situation and who he's writing to and what's going on. But then I also want to apply it to our life and see how does that fit the average OU college student in 2022, okay? Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for tonight. My prayer and my hope is, is that your word just penetrates every heart tonight. Lord, just give me the words to say. Let your words flow through me. Lord, I just beg that tonight is an amazing night that people get to experience you in such a real way. Lord, be with us. We ask this in your name. Amen. If you would read with me in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action and be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that would be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now listen, as, as we're looking here, Peter's like saying, therefore, prepare your minds. Now this is Bible reading 101. I'm going to give it to you, all right? Anytime you see therefore, you ask the question, what is it there for? As we've already learned, like Peter's already saying, hey, listen, this is why you have living hope. This is what Jesus came for. And if you've put your faith and your trust and you have an eternal life-changing experience, that's what, we, that's what he is Phase one, but therefore, since we have this, what's the next step? And Peter is preparing what he says here is we need to prepare our minds for action. I love like what the King James Version, it says, like it says to gird up your loins. Anybody know what the heck that means, right? What it means is that they used to have long robes and to gird up your loins is actually to pick up that robe and roll it up and tuck it in your belt because you're getting ready for action, right? You're gonna run, jump, and play something, all right? Then you gotta gird up your loins. You gotta be ready for action. He was saying at some point, in this next step, to be called, to to have a calling of being holy, your faith actually has to be one of action, not just one of being stagnant. But notice what he says here. In order for you to take steps of faith, he brings in a word twice. Reading the Bible, point number two, if you ever see a word brought up twice or multiple times, it's an important word. You should probably hone in on it. The word that he brings in twice is the word mind. We need to prepare our minds and we need to be sober-minded. Peter's highlighting the fact that before you can take a step of faith, your mind must be right. In other words, my point one to this sermon is this, is, is our calling to be holy is this, is that we need to think right. We need to think right. We, need to, we must prepare our minds 
for action. See, this kind of struck a chord with me because I was trying to put myself in their situations. We know that they were, they were exiles. They were considered aliens in their, their cities. And Peter, he was talking to these people who already felt out of place because they had put their faith in Jesus. They realized that they were already different than the rest of, of the world because of, of their love and their walk with Jesus. And I can just imagine that these people who were scattered out, they, they were a little afraid of stepping into more faith because I can just imagine that they were wondering, man, if I go this way, like I know I'm going to face some persecution here. Man, if I take this step here, man, I know this is going to happen. You know what? If I take a step here, I know my family is going to disown me. I know if I take a step here, I know that I'm going to lose some friendships because of this. When they're just about to take a step of faith, they would stop themselves because they were not prepared in their minds. They did not think right to properly do so. And as soon as I thought about that, I saw that Peter realized how you think controls what steps you take in your life. And he knew that it was important to get your mind right in order to get your life right. So I think for us human beings, preparing your minds is to think right. But I think thinking right is a two-way street. First, we have to put the right things into our brains in order to be able to think right. Any negative thinkers out there, be honest. Any pessimists? All right, some of you will wear it proudly. All right, I like it. Right, right. The world's burning around you all the time, right? Like everybody hates you, nobody likes you, maybe sometimes, right? But you're not pessimists, right? You're just realistic optimists, right? Anybody with me? All right. You try to get away with that, but really just a pessimist, all right? I started reflecting on this passage, and I was wondering, like, like, how can you evaluate what you are putting in your mind? And it just instantly hit me, and I started thinking back to um, when I had Instagram. Uh, guys, I stopped three days ago. Pray for me. I'm an addict. Like, I'm like, I'm stopping at stoplights and I'm pulling my phone. I'm not even thinking about it. My thumb is looking for something that's not there on my cell phone. I'm like, oh, wait, I'm looking for Instagram. Like, I looked at it at every stoplight. Anybody with me? Like, I'm hanging out with my kids. I'm, look, I'm like, what is your deal? Like, my body's starting to shake because, like, I'm, I'm having withdrawals from Instagram. Um, it's crazy. But when I had Instagram, this, I, I started really evaluating this six months ago, but I would scroll a lot, and scrolling's a dangerous game, amen? And I started realizing that my mood would be one way when I started scrolling, and it would actually be negative after scrolling, because what I realized is I started defining my own life over the things that I didn't have. Like I would compare myself with other preachers who had booming ministries and, and had all their life together and they looked good and they had all their hair on top of their head, right? Like I would, I would judge them for that. Don't you laugh at that. Don't you dare laugh at that. My mama still loves me, all right? But I would also see someone who was maybe uh, more dedicated, maybe had more discipline, maybe had more chiseled of a body, right? And I was like, man, I just don't have that. Maybe I would see someone with a house, and I, would, I, I just, I could have died for it. I'm like, man, I love their house. Or I'd see someone that would just flaunt their money everywhere. Man, man I, just, I just don't have money like that. And I would just compare myself, and I would just feel like crap. And I learned that 
uh, working on my brain this past year, I was like, I was using Instagram as an evaluation tool for my life. And this social media, what it can do is it can set unrealistic expectations that you will never be able to achieve. And when I realized that, and when I was really working on myself this past year, like instantly, like, like God just brought up Ephesians 4, 8 through 9, and it says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, these are, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and what you received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This stuck out to me when I started really training my brain was simply this, is that the God of peace will be with you when you let peaceful things inside of you. And that told me, if you want peace, you got to cage your thoughts. you got to protect your thoughts to be able to bring you peace. And I noticed a huge change in my life when I let Instagram quit telling me who I am not, and I started letting God's Word tell me who I am. And see, when you think the way that Jesus wants you to think, you're operating from a place of peace because of how God defines you, and you're not operating from a place of fear over who you are not. Who needs to hear that tonight? And when the Bible is your evaluation tool for your brain, and nothing else is, then you think on what is right, and what is pure, and what is holy, and what is excellent, and then the God of peace will fall, will fall over you. And maybe you haven't felt God's peace in your life because you have never let the peace of God be in your thoughts. Now I could give you a thousand demonstrations of how we just torture our brains and things that we think about, but, but God really just laid me on one thing. He pointed me in one direction. How do you think about yourself? Seriously, some of us are so bad at thinking to ourselves. If anyone else were to speak to yourself the way that you speak to you, you'd probably punch them in the face, am I right? Like we say things all the time, like man, you're so dumb, you have no friends because you're this way, this way, this way, or this way. You will never amount to nothing. You're never going to pass that class, man. You're just too ugly. You're not attractive enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not fit enough. You're not good enough. And I just really think, if I can be honest with you, I could just imagine the devil kind of stepping back and be like, man, they're doing their, my job for me. Like, I don't have to sick three demons on them right now, right? Like, like they're doing their, my job for me, destroying their own self, not being able to pre be prepared to do anything for action, not being able to do anything for Jesus because they are literally destroying their own life in their own head. That You know, the famous saying is, maybe the worst enemy is your inner me. But what if you flipped the script and you started putting into your brain the words that God has for you or the words that God has said about you, that you are his child, that he does love you, that he wants to be your helper, that he wants to be your guide, your comfort, your shield. And he wants to take revenge on other people so you don't have to. He wants to be your father. You are an heir to Jesus 
who loves you more than even your mama loves you, right? Who doesn't look at you for what you are not, but he looks at you because you are his child who he loves now and forevermore. What if we started waking up every morning thinking, man, I'm a loved child of Jesus? I'll tell you what happened. You quit dogging on yourself. Because your brain becomes this beautiful castle. If you can start just building the castle in your brain and start thinking on what is right and what is pure and what is holy, and then you set up these little armor tanks around your castle and you start saying, man, you know what, this negative thing's coming in. You're like, no, I'm not going to think about that. This, starts, this doubt starts coming in. This shame starts coming in. Like, no, the peace of God has already covered that. And, and, and you create this and you, and, you, and you think on what is pure and what is right, what is excellent. It's like, no, no, not today, Satan. You ain't going to destroy me today. You have to put the right stuff in your brain to take that first step of holiness. But the other side of the street, is what I think is more relevant today than probably any other time in this world, is what do you do when you're doing all the right actions, when you're praying the right prayers, when you're protecting your thoughts, when you're in the Word, when you're pouring it over you, when, you are, when you're studying it, when you're coming to crossover, when you're going to church, when you're in your small groups, when you're getting discipled, what do you do when you are preparing your brain for action and you are thinking right, but the peace of God just hasn't fallen on you just yet? You still have stress, you still have depression, you still have massive amounts of anxiety. What do you do then? Less than a year ago, um, I told y'all, uh, freshmen, you don't know this, but two Julys ago, my wife and I, we, uh, we laid down, it was probably about 11 o'clock to go to bed, and um, we decided to have a prayer time like we, we, we normally, do every, <laughs> normally do every so often. Does that sound right? Um, and I prayed over us. Uh, I laid back down on my pillow, and at that moment, it felt like a bolt of lightning crashed right into my heart. And I really, in all honesty, thought I was about to have a heart attack. And um, I said, Caroline, listen, you need to call the EMTs. Every, I mean, I swear all of Norman showed up in my living, showed up in my living room, right? And um, it was crazy. But I didn't know this, but at that moment, my brain had been rewired and even after the EMTs cleared me, the doctors cleared me, nothing, nothing physically was quote-unquote wrong with me. I had a massive amount of anxiety like I had never even imagined before. I never knew it existed. I, I had counseled thousands of people on this. And I never realized exactly what anxiety looked like. I had never imagined for the next three months that I would have a fight or flight response day by day about 20 to 30 times a day. I would walk around the house that I lived in for two years and I couldn't walk around my house without having a fight or flight response. I would go to the office and I would have a fight or flight response like immediately and just felt weird. I'm about to connect with, with some of you right now and I would walk into my house and, it, and I felt like the veil of reality was torn. I felt like I was like just a different person. I would look at myself and I'm like, man, I just don't feel weird. Like what is going on with me? 
And then after the questions started happening, anger started happening. Because I'd be like, God, why did you let this happen to me? Like, what is going on? Like, I can't, I'm not even half the man that I was six months ago. Like, like what is going on with me? I can't get my mind straight. I can't think right. I can't act right. Like, like I'm literally, like, I'm doing everything right. I'm praying about this. Uh, I'm, I'm talking to my, my wife about this. I have, I have my friends that are, like, checking in on me daily. Like, Lord, what is going on? And like, I'm just completely leveled at this point. I'd come up to preach a crossover and guys, sometimes I thought I was about to have a heart attack. Like just talking to you, I'm like, God, what is this? Like what is going on with my life? Finally, one evening, I fell asleep and God woke me up from, uh, I, was having a, I was having a panic attack in all honesty. I woke up and I started, I would always walk circles in my living room through my kitchen um, and Finally, I just fell on my face, and I, I was just angry at God. And I was like, God, why are you doing this to me? And God just simply asked me this one question. He said, who else is with you right now? Who else gets you right now? Who else understands you right now? He's like, your friends can't meet you where you are at. He goes, your wife, she wants to, but she can't even meet you where you're at. Your friends uh, your father, no one can meet you where you're at. The doctors can't meet you where you're at. Only I can meet you where you are at. And at that moment, I realized something. What I thought was distancing me from God was actually pushing me closer to God. And when I thought that the devil was winning the war in my mind, he was actually shooting himself in the foot because every attack, it took me a little closer to the feet of Jesus and just laying my life down each and every moment, listening to him in that attack and starting to realize that, I, oh man, I can function in this. And here's what's crazy is I started feeling comfort in my craziness. And as I told you last year, man, I just surrendered it in prayer. I went and told my pastor about it. He prayed over me. And since then, I haven't had even close to that amount of attack or, or oppression like I had over a year ago. And thank be to Jesus, from that point on, this just two months ago, my anxiety left. Like it took me over a year in, in, for it to completely leave. Now, don't, don't get me wrong, all right? The animal is still there, all right? It's a caged animal, but because of my relationship with Jesus and because he showed me how powerful he was, even in the midst of, of this attack, I'm telling you, the animal's still there, but because of my relationship with Jesus, he doesn't allow that animal to breathe life in, into my life anymore. So what do you do when you're doing everything right, but you still don't have the peace, and maybe you still have anxiety, maybe you still have depression where you're at? I beg you to trust his process and think on what is right and what is pure and what is holy and the God of peace will be with you. Now listen, my peace is different now than it was 10 years ago and I can honestly say this after over a year of experience this craziness is that I'm honestly thankful for what has happened because I feel a peace now that I didn't feel 10 years ago. Like I have a closeness now with Jesus that I couldn't even comprehend and it would never have happened without me going through that. But I was able to get to a point where I could find Jesus amongst the chaos, even in my mind, and I just kept on preparing my mind for action. 
finding him in the middle of it. Thinking right is not only putting good things in your brain, but it's also embracing those things when you don't feel like it's working. And I promise you, if I can do it, you can do it too. But we got to think right. That's the first one. Second one starts in verse 14. And it says this, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as Father who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you are ransomed from your futile ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like the Lamb of God, without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. I think we need to think right, but here it shows us that we need to fear right. And as obedient children, we are to act right, not like we used to, but like we are supposed to. We're supposed to be holy for he is holy. Now some of you are like, all right, took us a week two, and now we're going we're gonna to really dive in. We're going to talk about um, how, how, we're not supposed to, how we're not supposed to be drinking, smoking, or sexing, right? Like, like it took us two weeks, and we finally got there. <laughs> You're like, preach, just lay it on me. All right, I'm going to take it. I'm going to walk with my head down. I'm going to feel shame for it. And then, you know what? Hopefully I can move on from it. Like, listen, like Peter has a different idea for you. How about instead of us just trying to convict you, why don't you just try to understand this? Someday, you are going to be standing toe-to-toe, face-to-face with Jesus. And you are going to, a, you are going to take an account of everything that you've ever done and the intention of why you did it. Just you, Jesus, and everything that you've ever done. Now that alone should probably put some wonder in you. Now listen, I think that we need to talk about the realistic side like that is going to happen. Because I think so many times this world likes to talk about the, the grace and the peace that Jesus gives you. And don't get me wrong, that's beautiful. He forgives you as far as the east is from from the west. But we also need to realize that God is is a God that is going to bring this up. And I I do believe that we need to find value in the fact that we try to live a moral life and try to be holy because he is holy, because that is important to him. And the Bible even says that he rewards those who walk in faith with him. But fear to Peter isn't a fear that, like, I am terribly afraid of God. It's, it's a fear that I, I revere God. I, I have a reverent fear before God. I respect him. I love him so much so that I don't want to go against him and his will for my life. Now, now, do you ever ask yourself, like, why don't I have this type of fear? Like, why do I keep on doing the same things over and over and over? Why do I keep on sinning the same way? Like, like Paul even says, like, like, I do things that I'm not even proud of. I do things that I know is wrong. I do things that I know that is sin. I would say this, and I say this with a humble heart. I would say you probably are stuck in the same sin because you haven't spent enough time with Jesus to feel how mighty and how powerful and how loving he really is to you. 
Like we will spend six hours on your phone. You will spend three hours with your friend. You might spend a couple of minutes studying. All right, about said hours, but let's just be honest here. Who spent two hours studying today? Raise your hand. Okay, four of you. Yes. But actually, be honest with yourself. When's the last time that you went and you, and you threw your phone in the corner, your computer, and you got on your knees and you opened the Word of God and you let it just start pouring over you and you started reading it out loud and you started reading it to Jesus so Jesus could start reading it to you? And you just started laying everything down at the feet of Jesus and you connected with Him in such a real like real way and you connected with the almighty loving father and his spirit connected with your spirit and his words was connecting to maybe the insecurities in your heart maybe the anxiety in your mind maybe the joy in your soul maybe he even connected with the tear that was in your eye and he will touch you at that moment he will touch your being and he will give you a glimpse of who he is and you will not want to turn away from that moment and you will not want that moment to leave you because at that moment you will have a total peace in this chaotic world I'm telling you I beg you to have that type of time with Jesus because when that peace happens you realize who God is and you love him and at that moment you respect him and you fear him because he is great and you are small and at that moment you won't you will want to turn from your wicked ways and you will strive to be closer to him in reverence of him See, what I've noticed in our world is that many of us maybe don't fear God the way that Peter wants us to fear God because we don't trust God. Like seriously, like, like I'm going to be a little bit direct here. I might, I might talk about one of the subjects is why do we keep on sinning and not, not, and, and not turning away from the sin? And here's why. Because God has put parameters maybe on some of the things that you're sinning in. Like let's just talk about sex for instance. Maybe some of us in here are having sex. Well, God has put parameters around what sex should be. He says sex should be between a man and a wife, and that they should only have sex with one another, right? And, he, and it should only be in marriage, and it should be two or one are, are connected, and like this is a holy moment, this is a God moment, this is, this is something that God can bless, and he put these parameters around what sex looks like, and he says, this is what it should look like, and this is how it can be blessed. But some of us say, you know what, I want to take that for granted now, and you're not feeling peace, you're not feeling rest, you're not feeling holiness, because you are not trusting that this is the only way that sex is going to work in your life. But why do we step out of these parameters? Because we don't revere his parameters. We don't trust his ways over our ways. And at that moment when your fear isn't right, you are silencing your holiness and you're stepping into worldliness that will only bring you down. It will never pick you up. Students, listen. God has put parameters around many things in this life. And I promise you, if you just trust his word and you trust what is holy and you trust what he says, I promise you, it will bless your life in more ways than you could ever imagine. Our fear for the Lord should be number two. And lastly, we need to do something else in our holiness. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Having purified your souls 
by your obedience to the truth, for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. <coughs> Lastly, I think that if you want to step into your calling of holiness, we are to love right. We're supposed to think right. We're supposed to fear right. Now we're supposed to love right. You know, at first glance, I was like, man, this means that I need to love everybody. No question. Just like crossover motto, love God, love others. I always say, you know, I used to always say this. Well, I'm supposed to love everybody, but I'm not supposed to like them. Can I get an amen on that, right? I see some of y'all bumping some people right there, okay? I'm like, this is it. I, I understand it. Like, we're supposed to love everybody, uh, you know, that's the golden rule. Treat others that you'd want them to treat you. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's holy. But then I started really dissecting this verse, and I saw that uh, Peter said, but, but having purified your souls by your obedience to truth for a sincere, what? Brotherly love. And what that tells me is that this is deeper than just loving everyone. This is a brotherly love, a love where someone can see your soul they can see your obedience, they can see who you are, and they can touch it, and they can speak to it, and they can be honest with you and where you're at. They can speak into your life. They can tell you like, hey brother, hey sister, like I love you. I hope life is going well. How is life going? How is your walk with Jesus going? Like, like man, you know what? You kind of slipped up yesterday. I love you though, but like, like where are you at with this? And you're like, man, you're right. Like, I did mess up. Like, can you hold me accountable to that? Yeah. And they're like, hey, listen, I messed up yesterday as well. Like, can you hold me accountable to this? And it's like this brotherly or sisterly love um, that can help you truly grow in your relationship with Jesus. Listen, I have three guys that literally we talk every single week. We talk all the time. And they ask me, Every question imaginable, I've given them open reign. They, they know my greatest fear. They know my greatest struggles. They know when I have sinned. They know when I, when I have praises. They know when I've grown weary. And they earnestly always love me back to the cross every time. They don't allow me to think wrong about myself. They, don't, they call me out when I don't fear right. And they uplift me when I've been through the ringer and I just need a brother. And my friends make me a better friend, they make me a better husband, they make me a better father, but most importantly, they make me a better Christian. You show me your friends and I will show you how close you want to be to Jesus or not. So students, listen, I do this every single semester because I think this is important. How many of us right now wish we had friends that could push us closer to Jesus each and every single day. Raise your hand if you want friends to push you closer to Jesus every single day. Raise them up. Don't be scared. Everybody look around right now. Raise them up, all right? Raise them up. Everybody's being honest here, okay? I want you to take note, like, hey, that dude looks pretty cool. I want to be his friend, all right? So tonight after the service, like, I want you to, to connect with them, all right? I want you to be honest with one another. Find friends that will push you closer to Jesus. We gotta love right. We gotta find, find friends that we wanna push closer to Jesus as well. We have to love right for our holiness. As we close tonight, listen, 
I know some of us, we need to think right, we need to fear right, and we need to love right, and that's what it's going to look like when we are going to be called to be holy. When we think right, we need to quit listening to what the world is telling us that we are not. We need to start listening to what God is telling us that we are. And we can do that, and we can be prepared for action, action even when everything seems like it's wrong. Maybe we need to find the God of peace, maybe in your storm, in your mind. Maybe you're battling with anxiety and depression like you never have before. And maybe you just need to talk to somebody. Listen, I promise you, I'm going to be right over here in the corner. If you want to talk to somebody about it, I would love to pray for you through it. Maybe you want to pray with one of our prayer team down here up front. They're also going to be in the landing zones. Please talk to somebody. Maybe have someone just pray for you, uh, pray over you for you to get out of this and maybe finding God maybe in the middle of your storm to be able to listen and think the right way. Maybe some of us, we need to fear right. We need to trust the parameters that God has made in our life. And he has put parameters around some of our sins that we do face because he's not trying to take anything away from us, but he's trying to give us a peace that passes all understanding. Maybe some of you right now, maybe you need to come down here. Maybe you need to lay some things down at the floor and say, you know what, Jesus, today I'm going to give you the sin. I'm going to trust your parameters, and I'm going to live a holy life because you are holy, because you love me, because you died for me, and because you rose for me. Thirdly, Some of us need to learn to love right. I beg you. I urge you. I know some of y'all in social media age, you're afraid to talk to people. Walk up to somebody tonight and say, you know what, I need some new friends. Can we go hang out this week? Go find some new friends tonight. Be be a connected group. And let's go storm this campus for Jesus. Amen?